Welcome to the latest episode of Your Wealth with Gemma Dell, a podcast series designed to help you create, grow and protect your wealth. Hi, I'm Gemma Dale, NAB Trades Director of SMSF and Investor Behaviour. One of the most common concerns I currently hear from investors is how to generate yield as interest rates fall. For all the media excitement about falling rates on home loans, there's a retiree or 10 agonising over how to maintain their income. Today I'm at the Morningstar Individual Investor Conference in Sydney where Plato Investment Management Managing Director Dr Don Hampson has discussed exactly this topic. Those who joined us at the last ASX Investor Days would have seen Don giving his thoughts on generating income from an equity portfolio. He's kindly agreed to discuss some of the strategies that he uses in his portfolios at Plato today. Don, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Gemma. Don, you specialise in investing in equities for income. What do you look for apart from the very obvious? Well, remember, it's equities for income, not just income. So first thing is we want to buy good stocks. Um, you don't, in fact, you don't just want to buy the highest yielding stocks. In fact, we often avoid those because highest yielding, particularly historical dividend yield, can often indicate um, a high element of risk and indeed a high risk that stock may subsequently cut their dividends. So you, you mentioned something that is absolutely one of the biggest traps that we see for investors. We've seen a lot of this uh, and concerns about this expressed from the mature end of the NAB trade base, which is holding on to particular stocks for a long time. You know, they're often uh, what were traditionally blue chip stocks, exactly what people feel comfortable with. They know there are headwinds for those companies, but they hang on to them anyway because of this beautiful dividend and the yield Uh, looks increasingly attractive as the stock price falls and then suddenly the dividend is cut and they're wearing both capital losses and a significant cut in their yield. How do you suggest investors steer away from those kinds of risks? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, one of the the tricks, I think, of equity income investing is avoiding what we call a dividend trap. So the obvious ones at the moment in the last couple of years have been Telstra and AMP in terms of large cap stocks that people have held. Um, you know, if you look at both of those stocks, one of the reasons why their yields were at, for, for some time held up was because their stock prices were collapsing. Um, so, in fact, at one stage, AMP, its share price halved and its yield doubled virtually until it cut its dividend and then it's cut it again and it's actually now cut it three times. And, and if it doesn't pay a dividend early next year, it will actually have cut it to zero. And it's quite possible that will occur. So, um, one of the warning signs actually is that very high yield that, and it, but caused by the stock price declining. So, if the stock price is halving, um, so things are in trouble and this business is challenged. That's uh, to us the the most important indicator that of a dividend trap. Um, so, it's not necessarily the highest yielding stock. So, I'll give you an opposite one, which is a good stock at the moment, which is trading on a pretty high yield, depending on how you measure it. But if you look at Fortescue Metal. Um, if you take into account the special dividends, it's actually trading on about a 20% uh, gross of franking yield. If you take those out, it's still trading on about a 14% gross yield, I think, is the, is the number, which is pretty high. But the share price has actually gone up over, that, over the last 12 months because it's extraordinarily profitable. Iron ore prices have gone up generally, uh, and it's paying that back out to shareholders. Whereas the flip side, an AMP or a Telstra has had challenging business environments. Their share price has fallen. And that fall is actually reflecting the challenges in the business. Their earnings are going down and, and their dividends go down a bit later. So that is for us the number one rule is if the reason why, um, if the stock price has fallen a long way, 
the yield's gone up just because the price has fallen, then that's probably a, a harbinger for a dividend cut. I think that's really wise, and a lot of our investors will be paying close attention to that commentary because it's hurt people and they've they've suffered on both fronts then to have the dividend cut and the capital loss at the same time. You mentioned the special dividend with Fortescue, which has been obviously very uh, attractive to many yeah. investors. And also you've made quite a bit of commentary about the free kicks that are coming from some of these specials at the moment. Can you tell us a bit more about those? Well, I mean... First thing is a special dividend is usually, uh, I mean, it's special because the company's indicating it may not continue. Um, and in Fortescue's case, a little bit strange because they, that one of the reasons they had the specials was because of the ALP fr- potential of the ALP franking policy and getting rid of franking. So they said, we'll pay investors specials um, to, to push that franking out before uh, the potential changes. But the reality was it also reflected incredibly profitable underlying business. Um, now, I would say that Telstra is also paying a special at the moment, and um, it's almost a reverse. They've actually, and they've said this, they've linked their special to the one-off NBN payments that the government are making to Telstra, and then they're paying that, that, they treat that as profit, and they're paying that out to shareholders as a special. But that special usually is, a, is an indicator that that's a one-off payment, or maybe be there for a couple of years, but don't expect it in the long run. So they're, they're a great little bonus in the short run, but don't necessarily count on them next year or the year after. So, yes, good in the short run, but not don't bank on them. Whereas ordinary dividends are more likely to be continued to pay, but, but clearly um, you have to be aware of companies that can cut their ordinary dividends because dividends are not guaranteed. It's not like um, a bond where a company guarantees you to pay a certain amount of interest unless they go broke. Um, companies can cut their dividends, they can increase their dividends. Um, and you know, it just depends on what directors determine. You can see investors uh, becoming more familiar with that concept at the moment. You know, things that had seemed guaranteed have changed quite a bit. You made the comment about companies paying out very, very special dividends in anticipation of these uh, invitation credit changes or the, the uh, removal of the refund of franking credits, and then the ALP didn't get in. So it was, I mean, it was quite fascinating to observe, um, understanding that, frankly, it would have been, frankly, no pun intended, quite difficult to get through the parliament anyway had the ALP won government, but they didn't. So a lot of companies have paid out these big dividends as a one-off uh, in anticipation of something that didn't happen, ironically. Should investors be expecting a lower return from an income perspective post that bonanza, as you described it, or are we thinking that things will just return to normal a bit? Well, we think they should return to normal, but compared to the last 12 months, dividends this year we expect to be lower, but back to sort of normal level. So don't expect all those specials to keep coming out. Um, and a couple of them were strange because you had, like, West Farmers sold an asset or... Uh, BHP and Rio sold some things as well, so you had some special situations around it, plus the franking. Um, but we would still expect the Australian market to generate around 6% gross income, including franking this year, which is where it normally is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, our fund, um, which generally uh, generates a lot more than that, about 9% on average, actually generated like 15 16% last year because of all those specials and a few of the, of the tax-effective buybacks as well, which are structured as a fully frank dividend. It, uh, it was a pretty 
spectacular year last year <laughs> um, and certainly the beginning of this year has been quite fascinating watching the actual growth in the share market which a lot of people weren't quite anticipating. We recently had Shane Oliver from AMP on the podcast and he observed that more companies were cutting their dividends than, uh, than increasing them in the latest reporting season, first time since the GFC. That's not your observation, can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, no, I mean, um, well, we run it, we're very much focused on dividends. We have a comprehensive database, the ASX 300, and our numbers are actually quite opposite. I mean, I don't know, maybe Shane was talking about profits rather than dividends, but um, from dividend income, um, this reporting season, which is just finished in August, end of August, compared to August the previous year, our our numbers suggest that uh, 53% of companies increase dividends. Um, and about 23% maintained dividends and 23% cut. So there was uh, 23% cutting, but there was still 53% increasing. And the average increase was actually 9% plus. Wow. Median increase. So that average can, average, average <laughs> can be... Yeah, yes, I absolutely. I don't any stats, but um, the average can be not manipulated, but can be a bit funny because there was one stock that increased dividends by 300%, which brings that average up, but it was a small mining company. So if you look at the median, which is probably the the, uh, the best way of looking at things, it's like 2 to 3% increase in dividends, which is not bad. Um, it's still positive, albeit it was slower than in February. In February, that number was 5, so it has come down. The pace of growth of dividends has come down, but partly because the franking credit issue is now out of the way. Put to bed. Uh, So for investors who are looking at the equity uh, market at the moment, you know, it's been quite a spectacular run in the ASX so far this year anyway. So the fact that dividends are still being increased for the small majority of stocks, that's quite nice. Um, Any further thoughts for yield hungry investors at the moment? Well, my one thing is that, and we've alluded to it through this, is that um, yeah, stocks can cut their dividends. So if you just go and invest in one stock, and unless you do your homework, I mean, you know, you could be disappointed. And there were, you know, a quarter of stocks basically did cut their dividends. So, um, you know, we would always say you're better off buying a diversified portfolio of income stocks and actively managing it to, you know, if, if one of those stocks you might have bought it because it, it was great, but suddenly because of whatever it might be, changing commodity prices or technological disruption, um, look out for those dividend traps or it might be a royal commission that impacts it. Um, be prepared to actively you know, sell out of a stock if things change dramatically, but you're protected to the extent that if you buy a diversified portfolio of stocks, you, you're not going to lose big time on, on one particular name because you spread it out. So that's, I suppose, my, my sort of first thoughts. Don, your team manages both listed and unlisted portfolios, which is um, terribly beneficial. Most of our investors and listeners tend toward the listed, we prefer those. Um, how do investors keep up to date with your insights and the thoughts that you publish about a lot of this content? So they can go to our website, which is uh, www.plato.com.au, Plato, P-L-A-T-O. And uh, we have our latest fact sheets and our thoughts and discussions on dividend traps and buybacks and, and what have you, there's regular information updated there and it provides updates on both the listed and unlisted products. Beautiful. Dr. Don Hampson from Plato Investment Management, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you also so much for listening. As always, we hope this episode has been helpful for you on your journey to creating wealth. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future topics, we do love to hear from you. So please email us at yourwealth@nab.com.au. I'm Gemma Dale. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for listening to Your Wealth with Gemma Dale. 
To stay up to date, please subscribe to this podcast series or email us at yourwealthatnab.com.au. Please note that any advice provided in this podcast has been prepared without taking into account your objectives, financial circumstances or needs. Before acting, you should consider the appropriateness of the information. To find out more, please visit nab.com.au.